Don't eat them. We'll be right back. We just gotta go get something. Just go, just wait a second. Choices are so unfair, aren't they? What do you mean, wait? So we are in our second week of choices, and, and I hope I'm not um, sharing too much, but when Holly was just singing that song, and I just had my eyes closed, and I remember thinking about choices, what we're getting ready to talk about. The, the first Sunday that they played here, we went over to Country Barbecue, and I was pulling out all the stops. Come on, I'll buy you lunch, you know, let's go. And we were over there, and, and Holly shared. She said, you know, it's crazy. That's where, I don't know if she said crazy. It's crazy to me. She said, I, that's where I feel the most comfortable. And everything that I do, being up and playing music, which is obviously a God's gift, and I looked at Bobby and I said, and you're going to deny her that. <laughs> Bobby had a choice, you know, he had, he, he, he had a choice and understandably so, not beating Bobby up. Bobby has his own ministry that he's in full time and Triad Coalition for Life. And um, that's pretty much a uh, six and a half day a week ministry that he devotes to and uh, so we, we thank you for that ministry, but I saw like I thought, oh, I got to use that one. That's, uh, we're so glad you made the right choice, Bobby, <laughs> not to deny her. So last week we looked at Peter and we saw where Jesus gave us the miracle of getting out of or walking on water and Peter chose to get out of the boat. And we also saw where he chose to take his eyes off of Jesus and he started sinking and you know, it was, in the end, he chose Jesus. Through a lot of other bad stuff as it went forward, he put his faith in Jesus. And I wrapped up last week with this saying, and I thought about it. I actually tried to go back this week and figure out, this is not my original quote here. Faith is not about knowing what God is going to do right this second. Faith is not about expecting God to send an instant miracle. Faith is knowing that he already has. And I did. I tried to go back and figure out who quoted that, and I couldn't find it. And, and I'm just going to give credit to uh, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah, um, uh, Andy Stanley, maybe Dr. Stanley, and uh, Greg Laurie, and Ellis Rouse, all the famous uh, pastors that I know. And because I do listen to a lot of different preaching, and I don't know who gave me that quote, but I can't own it. I can't take it. But when you think about it, that's what faith is. When we're in those moments of struggle that Holly talked about, you know, it's like, God, I, I just don't understand. God, how am I going to make it through this? God has given us time and time again where he is faithful. So today we're going to look at King David, and we're going to go through a lot of King David's life, and so we're going to kind of be on fast forward. I'm going to kind of highlight some scriptures 
to look at King David, someone who God said is after his own heart. And we're going to look at some choices that David had. Sorry, I see my thing bouncing around here. We're going to look at some choices that David had. And sometimes he made the awesome choice and sometimes not such a great choice. So buckle your seatbelts. We're going to go back some 3,000 years, if you will. And we're going to cover about a 50-year span of different things that we see with, with King David. And, you know, and you can't talk about David without understanding Samuel. Samuel was a, a judge. And King Saul, who was the first king of Israel. And David was the second. But you got to kind of understand where Saul came from and why they even had a king. You know that the Israelites were asking for a king? We want a king. They had judges. We want a king. Why did they want a king? Because the Joneses had a king. You know, the nations around them had a king. They wanted to be like everybody else in society. They wanted a king. And God says, you don't want a king? Tell the people they don't want a king. No, we want a king. So we picked that up in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5. They said to him, and, and, and they, him being Samuel, the judge, and, and Samuel is the book that we're reading out of, you are old. What a nice thing to say. And your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. If you, it is not you, meaning Samuel, it's not you. He's been the judge for a long time. It's not you, Samuel, that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. We are talking about God here. And God's saying, It's not you, it's me that they have rejected. And they have done, as they have done, from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. Now, what is other gods? Maybe it's actually a god, and they, they struggled with worshiping other gods. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's making your spouse your god. Whatever it is, other gods can be whatever we put our focus on. And we choose not to focus on God. And, and they were masters at it. And we see this weave throughout faith, that, throughout the Bible. That is what uh, Jesus was saying to Peter that we looked at last week. You of little faith. Why did he say that? Because it was like, my gosh, how much more do I have to show you that I am the son of man, yet you still doubt? God is saying the same thing. I mean, he led them out of Jesus. He parted the Red Sea. They provided them with manna. I mean, he just, God continued to give them miracle after miracle, yet they continued to look away from God. They were making that choice. They wanted to be like society because the cool kids down the block have a king. We want a king. So then when they were looking at their snap tube and their U-chat on their rock tablets, they were like, man, these people down the road, some young people might have caught that. I don't know. You know, that was supposed to be a little funny, and only Wanda laughed. So thanks. Um, I remember one time I, I used to do the kids' sermon a lot, 
and I got iPad and iPhones and iPad 2, whatever the technology was of that day that is so old now, I got it all mixed up in front of uh, the kids, and these kids were all the way up to middle school, and we got in the car after I delivered that, uh, <laughs> that uh, children's sermon, and Dylan goes, Dad, we have got to talk. That's exactly how he started, like, you are embarrassing me so much, Dad. You have got to get your technology terms right. So anyway, whatever they were look, looking at, they wanted a king. God tells Samuel, go tell them. Tell them everything that a king's going to give them. And see, we talked about this several, probably a month ago now, talked about we, we have a kind of a foreign concept of what a, being a, having a king is. The king is sovereign. The king can say, okay, you're going to pay higher taxes. There's nobody else to rebuke the king. The king can say, okay, every Tuesday, you're going to start bringing me gummy bears. Whatever it is, the king could decree anything. And God gives them a whole list of what it was going to look like if they were going to have a king. Go tell them that all this, all this freedom that they think they have now, this is what's really going to happen. So that's what Samuel does. He goes back and tells them. Now, that's my paraphrase. I encourage you to go back and read through Samuel. And, you know, that's something I think that we don't tell our young kids enough. You want to see the first PG-13 movies? Really? You want to see some of the first R action-packed movies that there ever was? Read the Old Testament. It's such a roller coaster of ups and downs and battles and putting your faith in God and how awesome it is and turning from God and how bad it can be. It's just an action-packed book. So go read Samuel. He, he basically tells, uh, tells the people. And then he comes back. And I'm at verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like the other nations. See, you think I was making it up. I wasn't making a joke. Really, they wanted to be like the nations down the road. It's society that they're trying to cave to. With a king to lead us and to go out before and fight our battle. <clears throat> For some reason, I am losing my voice. <clears throat> Again, we want to be like the cool kids down the street. Is that not still society today? How much is put in front of us? I was listening to David Jeremiah this week. I went back and listened at a past. A sermon where he had had and talking about how much in the Bible is talking about clothes and the importance of clothes. And then we do the same thing. Now today, our, our kids, they get so wrapped up in whatever is the moment. So verse 21, when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. You know, it, it's... When you read this sometimes, if, if you've been a parent and, and you have a kid saying, please, let, let me go do this. Let, let me go do that. I, I had a, a, a buddy of, of Chase's. I'm sorry, kids. I had a buddy of Chase call one time and he said, Mr. Langham, can Chase skip school and go jump off the cliff with us? Did you really just say, and that's exactly what I said, did you really just ask if Chase can go off the cliff? That used, that's our tagline for parents. What are you going to do if the other kids jump off the cliff? You're going to jump off the cliff too? And this kid actually said, Can he, hey, I'm just going to be up front. We're going to jump off the cliff. We want Chase to do it with us. It's about 
that peer pressure. And you see that literally some 3,000 years ago, the Israelites were experiencing the same kind of pressure. So they thought. So God said, give them a king. It's not going to work out like they think it's going to work out. But if that's what the kids want, give it to them. So we see in Samuel verse 9, 17, or chapter 9, verse 17, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. So Saul, and this is why I backed all the way up, because there's going to be a choice that David's going to have eventually. And we see here that Saul is anointed. God chose and anointed Saul to be the king of Israel. God does the same thing for us. He puts us in situations. He gives us opportunities. And I said it yesterday. People want to sometimes say, well, God's in control. He's going to handle it all. But guess what? We are a player. He is in control. And he is going to handle it all. But we have our choices to make. So you got Saul, who he didn't know that he was going to be chosen to be king. And he could have went several different ways. Unfortunately, he started focusing on himself. He didn't make it about the people, and he didn't make it about God. Saul was human, and he started thinking about his own desires, which eventually frustrated Samuel. And he's like, man, this is your anointed one, but look what he's doing, and God says, all right, I'm done. Verse 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 1. I told you we we're going to go through this fast. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him as king of Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. So now we're on, we're on the part of David. David's a young boy. He's the oldest of Jesse's kids. He's the eighth, as a matter of fact. And the way the scripture reads, again, I don't have time to unpack it, but he goes through, is, is this the one? No. Is this the one? No. You the one? No. And one come up to him, oh man, it's got to be this guy. Look how good looking and how tall this guy is. He's the one. And we get one of the most famous scriptures of our Old Testament, chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Ding, ding, ding. We need to listen to that. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man, if we could get our, heck, if we could get old people. I was going to say our young people. If, if I could understand that sometimes when I, I get so stressed about the moment and, and, and trying to get things. And, you know, they pick on me. I, the, uh, I, I got two colleagues, and they used to pick on me. A guy told me uh, that I could take my helmet off and my hair never changed. Well, those of you that have nice straight hair, I used to be hair jealous. I'm going to be honest. Man, look, they can just comb their hair, whichever they want. This is pretty much what you get with me. And a guy come up to me one day, he said, man, I went to the barber shop and I told him I wanted to lang him. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? And I said, 
It don't change. I said, I don't get to choose. But it's focusing on that outward appearance. It's focusing on what our hair is doing. It, it, just, it just goes that way. God says, I don't care what your hair looks about like, Langham. Don't worry about those calics. Now, for years, I heard this on Caleb yesterday. They were talking about the sayings that, that kids hear through the years and they get older and, and didn't realize. I tried to figure out when the cow licked me. Was it after I was born? Was it before? I mean, you know, like, how does a cow? I did. I really did. When I was little, I was like, so a cow used Anyway, another thing. You're getting a little glimpse of my childhood, how weird it was. But so God tells us he doesn't worry about outward appearances. He worries about what's in our hearts. We did a whole series on love. And that's what God is. God is love. And that's what we're supposed to be going about life with. And that's how they're going to know that we're his. How we love. Love doesn't come from outward. Our actions are outward, but love comes from deep within. And God tells us right here, that is the most important thing. We do a whole sermon on that. So David, David is anointed by Samuel, the youngest one. And again, um, I'm skipping over a, a lot of scripture here. I, I encourage you to go and read it. But David is the, the appointed one. And, and Saul uh, continues to kind of waver. There are points where it looks like Saul is putting his faith in God. And then he kind of starts worrying about other things. But we know that David comes up as a young shepherd and he is fighting Goliath. Now, most of you know the story. We talked about it today, and uh, you, got, you got that right, didn't you? Or was it you? Was that the question? I don't remember. Anyway, that was one of the questions, and I'm sorry, Bella, that's my mess up. But So what David came out there, all of them are scared. These are chosen people. God said, go, you got it taken care of, and they're looking at the outward appearance of Goliath. He's this big man. They're scared of it. And so David pops on the scene. He's just simply bringing them lunch for the day. He's like, what is wrong with you people? Don't you realize that the God, the living God is behind us? God said, I mean, David said, let me at him. I've defeated a lion. I've defeated bears. Not because of me. See, right now, David's heart is right where it's supposed to be. I haven't defeated the lion. I haven't defeated the bear because I defeated him. Because God delivered me from them. His heart is at the right place. So we see this in chapter 16, verse 45. David said to the Philistine, You come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He didn't say, this day I'm going to defeat you. This day I'm taking you out. All his faith is in the Lord. We got little David, probably a little bit more than a middle schooler, maybe a young high schooler, going, I got this big guy, this seasoned warrior, because I am focusing on God. David becomes a national hero Everybody loves David. Saul brings him into his own court. He's part of the family now, if you will. Jonathan, Saul's son, and David, they become best friends. 
But over time, Saul becomes jealous of David. Everybody that's celebrating David for what he had done, and they should be celebrating, Saul is like, wait a minute, I'm the king. It's supposed to be about me, and all Saul had to do was focus on God. David wouldn't even have to have been anointed. So he literally sets out to kill David. God's anointed. Think about that. He sets out to kill David. David has to flee. He has a faithful few. He's forced to live off the land. There are times when he's hiding in caves. There's times when they're hungry. And Saul has his whole army at his disposal going after David. Now, I'm giving you the movie version here this morning. You know how when you read a book, and my wife does this all the time when we're watching a movie, she's like, oh, the book is so much better. You know, and it's, oh, this happened in the book. It's like, well, I haven't read the book. Don't tell me how much better the book is. I want to watch the movie right now. So I'm giving you the movie version of, of David and, and how he's walked with Samuel and Saul. Go back and read Samuel. First Samuel is where all of this is coming out of. But I told you, it's like a PG-13. There's a one point where David seeks the help of a priest, and he helps him, and Saul comes behind and kills the priest. This is the part of the movie where we went, oh, why did he kill him? He was just a good guy. You see, that's what Saul, Saul was so wrapped up in himself. He was doing actions, a priest of God, who would do that? Now, if you just pause for a second, we have a lot of <gasps> moments happening right here in our society today, around the world. And folks, it, we know that we are in a broken world, but, and, and you know, every generation is going to say, man, it was so much better when I was younger. I'm saying that now. But I think each generation, we have more and more people taking their eyes off of God. And we see more craziness happening every day. So now, we're kind of at the main point of what I want to share with you today. And I'm reading out of 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 3. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. So basically what I want, to want you to imagine for modern times, they're on a long journey, and there's a highway rest stop. Saul gets out, goes into the rest stop. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your enemy into your hand for you to deal with as you wish. Now, as you wish means that David has a choice. David had a choice here. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off the corner of Saul's robe. You know what's so funny here, as you continue on in the scripture, David starts fretting about it. He cut the corner of Saul's robe. Saul didn't even know he was there. He was at the rest stop doing whatever he was doing. David comes out and could have done anything. 
this Bible story could be totally different. It could have said David finally took Saul out and became the king of Israel. David had a choice. He was a warrior. Saul and his entire army was after him. There were times he was hiding. That's where we get a lot of David's psalms. Where have you forsaken me, Lord? He took the high road. He took the integrity choice because he said, this is God's anointed king. I'm not going to disrespect God. Jump into verse 8. Then David went out to the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king, the man who's hunting him down. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David has been on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands into the cave. He was all by himself. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. David had a choice right there. The scriptures that were foretold, it said he could do as he wished. He took the high road. He made a choice not to take Saul out. And everybody, if he would have came out, said, hey, I've taken Saul out, odds are they would have started applauding. They would have immediately said, you are to be our king. They would have probably celebrated it. But Saul Kept, I'm sorry, David kept his focus on God and said, I'm not going to tell God who is his anointed. God tells me who his anointed is. So he took the high road. You know, Saul took his eyes off of God. Saul could have been one of the greatest kings that Israel ever knew if he would have kept his focus on on God. He had total rule. You know, does that mean that David didn't have struggles? No. There were times in this plight that, that David was starving. His people were starving. There were times they were fearful for their life. I don't have a slide for this, but we see this in Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies. Oh God, be my fortress against those who are attacking me. Deliver me from evildoers and save me from those who are after my blood. See how they lie and wait for me. Fierce men conspire against me for no offense, no sin of mine, Lord. God, I don't understand. We know that David went on to be the king of Israel to this day. He is celebrated as the greatest king of Israel has ever known. God said he was someone after his own heart. But we see right here that even though he was anointed by God, and Jesus tells us the same thing, that that doesn't mean that life is going to be a bunch of peaches and cream. I get so frustrated with some pastors that are out there that it's just like, 
Come to Jesus and everything will be okay. You will never have another problem again. No. Come to Jesus so you can have rest for your soul. Come to Jesus so you can make sense of this crazy world. And it's not about what he's necessarily going to do in this moment. It's about knowing that he already has. That's what Holly read about. You know that there's not a prophecy in the Bible that has not been fulfilled up to this point? What Holly was reading is a prophecy of what's to come. That's the faith in knowing what God has already done because he fulfilled all the prophecies. That's what I love when mathematicians and they try to set out and and they're going to prove that something is, is not mathematically possible or prove that it is. They say it's mathematically impossible for Jesus to have fulfilled all the prophecy that he fulfilled. I love it. Uh, no, it's not. Not with God. Because he did fulfill them. He did fulfill them. David had every right. But he said no, despite even what his buddies, his society, his but going, kill him. Take him out right now. Take him out. I mean, they're getting excited, man. They're dirty. They're hungry. They're, they're weathered. They're like, yes, today we're going to celebrate. And he comes in the back of that cape. Are you kidding me? A piece of cloth? You had him right there. And David said, oh, no. I'm not going to take out what God has already anointed. Faith is not about knowing what God is doing, is going to do right this second. Faith is not expecting God to send an instant miracle. Faith is knowing that he already has. God had anointed Saul. David said, nope, I'm going to trust God on this one. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 22, and I don't have a slide for this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, the greatest commandment. I think sometimes we do this crazy life and we forget, those of us that are Christ followers especially, God is supposed to be the most important thing in our lives. That makes everything else right. That makes the hierarchy right. I could not imagine living this life without my beautiful wife. And I adore her. And I pray that she knows that. But she's not supposed to be the most important thing in my life. God is. And we have a choice to live our life together. And hopefully we pass that on to our kids. And hopefully we pass that on to the people around us. If we put God first, does that mean there's going to be peaches and cream all the time? No, but it makes all the rest of the stuff make sense. And these things that seem impossible, we got a miracle sitting in this church today. Right here. When things seem impossible, not without God. God does the impossible. You know, David was not perfect. David, if you read the story of David, he stumbled. He made some pretty bad choices when he got lazy, when he took his eye off of God. Don't have enough time to unpack that. If you know the story of David, he basically started putting his eye on another young lady. Made some really bad choices, and he paid for it. 
but you've all heard of Psalm 23. And they believe this is written when David was an old man. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for there art with me. Thy ride, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That rod and staff, sometimes things come along and, and we get redirected. Sometimes things come along and we don't understand. And we look back and we go, man, that's why that happened. That's why I went through that valley. David's on the other side and he can look back of all the craziness that happened in his life. And he knew that God, that there were times when he was comforting him and, and he was shaping him and, and he was scolding him. We have a choice in this crazy world that says that we are supposed to put our sights on everything but God. We get a choice to be different and put our faith in God. David gives us that example. David could have done whatever he wanted to. He chose the high road. You know, our young people, and I, and I, my kids are at that age and younger. It's amazing how I hear them and, and some of their friends talk about, man, schools are awful today. And like they're been out of it like all the five years. It is. What is being thrown at our people? And I think it's because, and, I, and I'm not a prophecy guy up here, but we are one day closer to the end. You know, I, I, used, I used to get uh, kids in, in class. I'd be like, oh, another second gone by. Oh, we're one day closer to the end. You know, and my kids in class, they'd be like, quit saying that. Oh, another second, you know. But the bottom line is we are. We are getting closer, and I think the devil hates it. And I know he hates it when we choose God first. When we choose God first, he's going to come after us. Let me pray for us. God, we just thank you. We thank you for these examples in your word. Real life people just like us. Going through real life struggles. God, help us in those moments of struggle. Help us in those moments when we come to you and we say, God, we just don't understand Help us. Remind us of your word. Teach us with your word that you've already taken care of it. The victory is won. To put our faith in you, we are on the winning team. And we thank you for that awesome gift. And if I'm honest, Lord, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. If I'm honest, a gift that I don't deserve. But you love us all that much. You offer this to each and every one of us. God, we thank you for this precious gift. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let's all stand.
Because it's a rest like you just don't know. You know, I've, I've had so many near-death experiences. I joke, and somebody asks, how many times you really almost died? And I'm like, I won't count. What if I'm a number eight? You know, the old nine lives thing. But in each one of those, I look back and I see peace in the chaos. 
That's not because of me. That's because of God. God gives us a peace that surpasses all knowledge. That's how David was able to make the right choice. Pray that you know him today. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. And your homework assignment is to come here and tell me somewhere you've seen God at work. Amen.